We've been walking through the book of Philippians here in our series entitled Relentless Joy, and I've been really thankful to the Lord for it. I don't know about you, but especially in our day and age, uh, God in his sovereignty has saw fit um, to bring us to this book at this juncture of life, and uh, it's been encouraging to me. I hope it's been encouraging to you. The book of Philippians has been a source of joy for Christians down throughout the centuries. If you know any uh, believers who have lived for any period of time, length of time, and you take a look at their well-worn Bible, you can see Philippians probably is uh, almost worn all the way through because it's been a source of joy uh, for people as they go to these words that the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write to a church that he started and a church that he loved. And uh, so it's my honor and privilege to bring uh, the Word of God to you today. And if you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to grab them. You can also go and download the notes at uh, villagebible.church. And uh, let's get to God's Word uh, together. Philippians uh, chapter 3, starting at verse 12. Not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Father God, thank you for this, your word. Your word is truth, and I ask that you would sanctify us in your truth. Lord, I pray that you would be our teacher today, that you would speak to us, that you would change us, that you would make us more into the image of Jesus, and that we could go from this time strengthened to be your hands and feet, not filled with fear or anxiety, but with the power of your spirit, Lord to be your kingdom people no matter where we go and no matter what we face. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. The whole process of living starts in your head. How you think is vitally important and it correlates to how much joy that you have in this life. It all begins in the mind. How you think is so important. In the realm of sports, uh, this quickly becomes evident. Now, I played sports. You probably guessed that. Uh, by, by now watching that, you're probably thinking basketball, perhaps bodybuilding. I played sports. I, I did some of that myself. Um, that was a joke, by the way. Uh, Pastor Tim last week joked about his family being, you know, the A-plus family during the uh, uh, lockdown, and uh, I don't know if everybody got it. He was just kidding about that. He's got an A-plus family. Don't get me wrong, but th they weren't making that music, so I got to spell that out. The joking aside, I, I'm not a, a bodybuilder. Um, it's been several years since I competed professionally with bodybuilding. So, but in sports, you have to have the mentality uh, of being a winner. Uh, one of the guys that was the best at this is Michael Jordan. I mean, he was cutthroat. He was a winner through and through, and, uh, and, he, and he was sharp as can be. And if you play sports and if you know uh, sports at all, you know that you have to be in the correct state of mind in order to compete the best that you can and in order to make a difference uh, for your team. Now, if you uh, played baseball, for example... One of the toughest things for a player to get in baseball is to get over being hit by a pitch. 
My brother got hit by a pitch as a kid. I remember Little League Baseball, he got hit in the hand. It, it broke his hand. Um, now, he went on to become a Navy SEAL, and, uh, and, and there's, pretty, there's not too many things that he's afraid of, okay? But, but I bet you that I could strike him out today uh, easily. Why? Because he, he never got over the fact of that inside fastball coming in. It's in his dome. It's in his head. And uh, he might have words with me after he listens to this, but uh, I think I could strike him out because he's not thinking line drive up the middle. He's thinking, please don't hit my hand and break it again. We live in a day of fear and anxiety. It's so true today. It's increasing all the time. Yesterday, Governor Cuomo of uh, New York, he said this, quote, the fear we have, the anxiety that we have is not just going to go away, end quote. Now he's correct. We do live in a day and age of fear. And I'm not a person that is given to depression or, or to sadness very easily, but I found myself, can I just be honest with you, God's people, I found myself dealing with those emotions and struggling with them even in the day-to-day activities of life. It is so important to stop and to examine the way that we are thinking so that we might think like Christ wants us to think. The Bible has plenty to say about our minds and, and how we are to think. And so um, just jot down these references. You don't have to look them up, but just jot them down. You can look them up later, or you can Google it. You can use the Google machine. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. In Isaiah 26.3, we read, You, speaking to the Lord, will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is fixed on you, how we need that today. Colossians 3, 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And then in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not conform yourself any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know what the will of God is, his good and perfect will. And then later in Paul's letter here in, in, in Philippians, a famous verse, chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. It is so critical that we guard our minds. This truth has led some people to call it uh, the battlefield of our mind. So let me give you the big idea. If you're taking notes or if you'd like to see the big picture first, here's the big idea today. The mindset of the Christian is to press on. I want to start in verse 15 and 16 and, uh, and then go backwards actually to 12, 13, and 14 because I think he kind of summarizes what we're talking about today. Verse 15, let those of us who are mature think this way. So this way that he's just saying, the, the thing that we're going to be studying today, those are how mature people think. Those are how mature believers think, what we're going to be talking to today. So he says, hey, heads up, this is for mature Christians, and if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that, that to you too. It's such a loving thing for Paul to say, hey, if you don't get it, maybe you're not completely on the same page as me on this, uh, I have no doubt that God's going to reveal that to you too. 
Uh, so keep studying, keep pressing on. Uh, God's going to reveal that uh, to you too. He's got such love. This is an encouragement. He's not hammering the church. He's encouraging them. And then he says, verse 16, only let us hold true to what we have attained. So if you don't get it all, uh, that's okay. But what you do get, what you do understand, hey, hold on to that. Man, grasp that strongly. Run with that. Press on with that. Live with the knowledge that you have attained. Live together as you honor Christ in your lives. And so this is, this is the end of, of our little section that we're looking at today. He says, uh, think this way, this teaching. So, so, so right now, as you're in your living room with your kids, or you're on your phone, or wherever you're at, and, and you're looking at this, what we're talking about right, right now, this is for mature believers this is for Christians who, who, who get it. And uh, I want to be that. I don't know about you. I want to understand God and his will for me. And, um, and so let's go. Verse uh, 12. Let's start here. The mindset of a Christian is to press on. That's the big idea. Number one, to press on with spiritual discernment. You see it there in verse 12. Not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. The mindset of the Christian is to be one of a spiritual discernment. Paul says that he has not obtained this. You see that there in the text? What is the this? What has Paul not obtained? Well, I think in the immediate context, it's verse 11. Uh, that by any means possible, I may attain, what? The resurrection from the dead. He hasn't gotten that yet. He hasn't obtained the resurrection from the dead. Um, simply put, it's the complete victory in Jesus Christ. It's out of Paul's grasp. Now, Paul was sitting in prison. He doesn't know. He might be experiencing it next week. He doesn't know. It might be right around the corner, but he knows that he hasn't gotten it yet. He's on the path, but he's not there. The complete victory has not been won. He says, I haven't gotten that yet. He's discerning enough to know that. Not only that, he knows this. He knows that he's not perfect. He confesses that. Nor am I already perfect. Not only is uh, he confessing that I'm not a, um, a one who has obtained all these things, but I'm also a sinner. And I'm not better than other people. I'm not perfect. So he's saying in, in, in one sense the idea of perfection. He's not perfect. Christ was perfect. But also as Pastor Tim said last week, he wasn't comparing himself to any other people. There was people in the early church who would say, hey, I'm already uh, glorified. I'm already made it. I've already achieved the status. And Paul uh, in humility is saying here, I, I'm not perfect. I haven't made it. I've not arrived. Now the third thing in this verse which Paul is discerning is the fact that Jesus was the one who saved him. He was still on the upward path, and the only reason that he's on that path is because Christ Jesus apprehended him, you could say. The old King James Version says that. My ESV says, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. The old King James is, is uh, he apprehended me. He, he grabbed me, and, and, um, and that's true. That is that... Um, God, in his mercy and grace, he grabbed Saul by the scruff of his neck when he was persecuting the church, and he grabbed him, and he saved him, and he set his feet on solid ground. That's the conversion that happened 
uh, to Paul, to Saul. He was going and persecuting the church. He wasn't trying to find Jesus. He wasn't on a, a journey to see if he could find salvation. He was uh, against Christ. He was against Christ's people. And, and Jesus just came and met him and saved him. And he didn't have a thought about it until he was saved. And then it was like, I got to do all I can to live for the days that I have left for this Jesus who saved me. And it's an amazing thing. It um, takes spiritual discernment to realize that. So let me apply this to our, our lives today. Spiritual discernment, when we press on, when we're living our life, we're, we're, we're living for the Lord, we're pressing on, we press on with spiritual discernment, it means that, number one, we're not perfect, and we're not better than anybody else. That's number one. Can we all agree to that? If you're a Christian who's living with spiritual discernment, you can confess that you're not perfect and you're not better than anybody else. Not only that, number two, can you say with the Apostle Paul that, yeah, you are special, and I'm going to give that to you today. You are special, but not because you worked really hard to gain Christ. You're special because Christ, in his love and mercy, reached down into the miry pit and grabbed you by the scruff of your neck and set your feet on solid ground, even though you were dead in your sin and trespasses. Get that. You didn't save yourself. God saved you by his rich love and mercy, and he came to you. He loved you, and he saved you. And, and so let's confess that today as his people that we're blown away. That's spiritual discernment to be able to say those things. Now, when we live with this kind of an understanding, and, and I know that's what we're trying to do all across a Village Bible Church at, at, at my campus out in Plano, when we, I want to live this way with spiritual discernment to put others first, to, to confess that we're not better than anybody else, to just confess that the, the common grace of God has, has given us this great life and then the special grace has saved me, not anything that I have done. When we live with this kind of an understanding, our church will flourish, not as a showcase for the sinless, but rather as a hospital for the hurting. And, uh, and that's what, what we want to build want to build a place where people are honest with one another and love each other and get down into the dirt with those who haven't been saved and, and, and grasped out of it yet and pray that God would save them. The mindset of a Christian is to press on. Not only is it to press on with spiritual discernment, it's to press on with spiritual dissatisfaction. Yes, you heard that right. Dissatisfaction in your spiritual life. Is that really true? Look at verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Press on with spiritual uh, dissatisfaction. Paul is reiterating that, that he's not there yet. He hasn't made it. He hasn't crossed the finish line um, but, but he, he, he does have this. And what does he say? I, I've got this. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. This past Wednesday, our student ministries, our youth group gathered together. And uh, we used a Zoom, Ring Central, whatever. And we talked and uh, we prayed and we went through this scripture right here. And I asked them, hey, um, uh, tell me what you think. Paul 
Saul needed to forget? What were some of those things that he, he forgot? And so we, we talked about some of those things that um, maybe Saul, he forgot when he was Saul and he persecuted the church, or we, he forgot maybe when he was Paul and he forgot some of the problems he had with other church leaders and he forgave them and he moved on. He, he forgave some of the people who accused him not of being re, really a, an apostle or a powerful apostle and he looked to other people uh, for, for answers instead of him. He had to forgive them and move on. What were those things? And, and then I asked... Uh, our, our students, what are some things that people, they have a hard time forgetting? Uh, so take a look at just a few of their answers. And one thing that people can't forget is heartbreak. One thing that people can't forget is betrayal. I think people can't forget all the regrets they didn't do or like. People can't forget abuse that may have happened in their past. I think one thing that people can't forget is death. So forgetting what lies behind, and, and those young people, they, they get it. They understand some of those things are hard to forget. Some of those hurts run deep, and it's hard to move past those things, and, and it's only going to increase for us, for them, as they age, and the more that you live life, and you realize that you can get stuck carrying a lot of baggage, but Christ has come to free us from that. And to set us free. This is one thing Paul says, hey, I haven't made it yet. I'm still on the path. I'm still pressing on. I still got a ways to go. I'm not perfect. God's work doing a work in me. But one thing I got is this, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. So let me give you three things that we struggle to forget. To add to some of those things that, was, uh, that our youth uh, called out. Let me give you three things. First, past sins. Past sins. These are things that you have uh, done, uh, and if you're honest, you're ashamed of it. Past sins, you might, you've been forgiven about it, but, but you're ashamed of those past sins. And, and so we're just going to take a little time right now, and that's the beautiful thing about technology, just right where you're at with your living room, just, just get with your family and just start confessing your sins to one another, and uh, you just want to, those ones that you're ashamed of, just go ahead and, and start talking about them right now. And we'll give you a few minutes to do that. No, I'm not asking you to do that. Why? Because I'm not willing to do that. I'm not willing to do that right here and confess to you all the things that might bring me shame from my uh, past. But you know what? I don't have to because Christ Jesus has forgiven me for my sin. Christ Jesus has redeemed me from my past. And if God doesn't remember my sin any longer, I don't have to remember my sin any longer. It's under the blood of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, love, we read, covers a multitude of wrongs. It doesn't keep any record of wrongdoings. And so uh, God loves us with a perfect and everlasting love. And he forgives us when we repent and turn to him in faith by the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. And our sins are forgiven and our sins are taken away. Our transgressions are removed as far as the east is from the west, Psalm 103, 12. And so our sins are gone, they're remembered no more, and we can, by God's grace, forget the things that lie behind, forget past sins. Now, hey, some of you spouses there, you got to help your spouse forget those past sins. You've been acting like the devil, and you want to remind them of some of those past sins, and that's not the love of God. The love of God forgives and forgets those sins and removes those sins. And so, hey, don't keep bringing up a past sins. Now, husbands or wives, if you're trying to look over at your husband or wife right now, 
hey, don't, don't play the part of the Holy Spirit either, okay? They'll convict them. They'll convict, we pray for that. But past sins are things that we can let go. Three things that we struggle to forget. Past sins, how about this, past successes. In some ways, Paul could depend upon the success that he had in ministry, and it was incredible. He had planted churches, he had uh, grown disciples, he had been in prison, and right now he is in in prison for his faith in Jesus Christ. He could look back to his, uh, his resume just from becoming a Christian, not only his resume from before, as Pastor Tim talked about last week, but he could look at his resume as a Christian for those few short years that he had, and it's pretty incredible. He could count on those, but, but we don't count on our past success. We don't depend upon the past. Only, one, only Chicago Cubs can depend upon the past and, and, and seem to be okay uh, for a period of time because of their past success. But, but, but even the Cubs have to win a World Series every once in a while. We struggle to forget past sins, past successes. And then the third thing I jotted down was past sorrow. Now this is tough. We experience many things that break our hearts and uh, this can disable us from fruitful work for Christ. And I understand how hard it is to let go of grief. I, I really do. Um, I say this with a smile on my face because I, I know he's a dog, but my dog Bruno just uh, died uh, about a month ago, and we had to put him down. He was 16 uh, years old, and uh, I find myself coming into the house wanting to call his name, and, uh, and he's not there, and I, I know he's not there, um, but, but I think he's there. I, I leave a little bit of my food in my plate, and I want to go over and take it to him, but, um, but he's gone. And uh, the other day I was cleaning up the garage, and, um, and there was his uh, bowls and uh, his little thing that he ate out of. And, and uh, I'm not a crier, but I, I'm about this close to crying right now. And, uh, and here's the thing, is because it, it's sad, and I don't want to just move past it, because I think if I, if I just move through my grief, grief too quickly, I think that's kind of disrespectful to him. Like, I want to feel it for a while, because he meant a lot to me, and I, I want to I sit in my grief. And, uh, but, you know, there's a new day, Donnie. There's a new day ahead. We don't have to sit in our grief. Actually, God calls us to walk through our grief, and he, he walks through it with us to a new day that is to come, and so maybe, and you're sitting here, and you're, oh, too bad your dog died. I'm, I'm dealing with the death of a loved one. You know, I just heard of a, a, someone from our congregation uh, whose grandma just died uh, of the virus that we're talking about, and that's, that's the real deal. This is not a dog dying. But the same is so true for any grief that we have and the grief of a loss of a loved one that we can entrust them to God Almighty and we can experience a new day. We can forget the pain that lies behind and we can press on to the goal that lies ahead. And so what's ahead? What's ahead, you say? Well, good question. Paul answers that then in verse 14. He says this, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So we press on with spiritual discernment, and we press on with spiritual dissatisfaction. We're not going to be satisfied for where we're at in our walk with God. But then thirdly, we press on with spiritual discipline. He says the word again, press on, and uh, did you underline it in your Bible, verse 14? Press on again, 
And he just said, verse 13, straining forward. He's talking about discipline. Uh, he's talking about the language that he's using is of an athletic contest. This is a competition. And uh, straining ahead, uh, um, following on, pressing on, going forward. This takes discipline. Now, let me say this in all love. Most people are lazy, okay? Most people break their New Year's Eve resolutions or the New Year's Day resolutions by January 3rd. Most people say one thing and yet do another. Most people fail, okay? But, but remember, we're not talking about salvation here when we're talking about spiritual discipline. We're talking about how we're running the race. We're talking about how sanctification is coming. We're, we're talking about the, uh, the life that we're living in Christ. Aren't you thankful that your salvation is not dependent upon you? As Pastor Tim said last week so clearly, it's not on your shoulders. It's not because of the connections that you have. It's not uh, uh, your, the categories in life that you put everything in. And if you can do it all right, you're going to get it. And if your good outweighs the bad, God's going to welcome you in. I'm so thankful it's not dependent upon that. It's dependent upon Christ. That's what our salvation rests on. That's who our salvation rests on. So he's not talking about that. He's talking about our sanctification. Paul reminds us of why we are pressing on, why we are straining forward. It's for the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. This is the prize. What is the prize? Well, I would say in the immediate context, again, it's verse 11, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. It's the resurrection from the dead. It's, it's victory in Jesus. It's, it's, um, it's the glory of Christ himself, of the second member of the Trinity, of the Godhead of, of, of the universe. It's, it's to know Christ and to experience his love and power in deeper and deeper ways. That's the goal. That's the prize. That's what we press on uh, to. Um, Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith, and he's the one that we press into and, and we press on with, even when the times are fearful and when we're filled with anxiety. It was many years ago now, I was in a, a um, track meet in Yorkville. I was a fifth grader at my little grade school, and uh, we had the regional um, track meet at Yorkville High School, I think, or Yorkville Middle School, I can't remember back then, but it was a, a big meet in my mind, especially for our little school. And, and I went, and I was doing the mile run. And I started the mile run with all the other boys. I was the littlest, I was the youngest, I was fifth grade, they were up to eighth grade. And uh, we started. Now, I didn't know that behind us, 100 yards, or maybe it was 200, I don't know, but some, some distance behind us, the girls started at the same time. And we ran the race. And I, I, I tried to run as hard as I could, but these guys were like world-class sprinters, and they, uh, they just, they just uh, annihilated me. And I was still giving it my all, and, and, uh, and I was coming around the bend for the, the last straightaway. And my parents were in the stands. My little school were, was in the stands. And, and everybody was there watching. And I started hearing just kind of a, 
a, a swelling of an eruption of, of cheers ha- happening, and, and they're cheering me on. I didn't, didn't know what was going on, and I, and I looked back, and I saw that the, one of the girls was there, and she was closing in on me, and that fired me up. I was so scared. I was so anxious. I did not want to lose to this girl, and I don't think Usain Bolt could have beat me to the finish line because I just flew. I, I, I always felt like I was running on air, and uh, she didn't catch me. She didn't catch me as I crossed the finish line for last place, but at least she didn't catch me. Now, I know in our day and age, that's, that's probably a politically incorrect thing. I, I know that, okay? I know there's lots of fast girls. I mean, most ladies and girls that I meet today can beat me in a foot race, so I, I understand that. Um, uh, but here's, here's the thing. Um, Paul is comparing it to running a race. I think as we face, on an ever-increasing basis, fear and anxiety and even possibly despair, that we would let that fix our eyes on the goal, fix our eyes on the finish line. And our goal is Christ. It's Christ himself. Let it fix our eyes on there and let it fire us up and let it motivate us to, to go into full bore the life that Christ has called us to in this day and age with everything happening around us and possibly everything crumbling that we know from our 401ks to our money to our government to our country, whatever it is, it, it can all crumble. But we, with our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. Why? So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. That's my prayer for me and my home and for our church. In Jesus' name.